You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 18 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with the awesomely talented Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Valerie. World traveller. How are you going? I'm good. I'm good. I'm back. I got back from mm-hmm. LA yesterday and that was pretty fun and I've just been, you know, kind of coming down off jet lag and getting back into the swing of things. Good stuff. You know, I saw you, you hobnobbing with uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Hey, I didn't look quite. At you. I didn't quite hobnob with the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I did happen to bump into some of the cast, but uh-huh. but not actually of, of um, the spin-off show Vanderpump Rules, but not right. actually the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. However, I was hanging out with um, some friends in LA who are entertainment journalists and paparazzi and, you know, photographers. So it was quite interesting getting the inside goss on, mm. you know, what happens over there in Tinseltown. So good I, fun. It must have been. It's a whole other world though, isn't it? It's a whole other world. And, you know, some of the stories that you hear are uh, pretty eye-opening. But mm. more importantly, what's been happening with you? What have you been doing while I've been gone? Well, it's been uh, like it's always uh, busy here, but this is like one of the things I've been doing this week is I've found, uh, you know, I love my podcast. Yes. So I found a new podcast and it's called Happier and it's Gretchen Rubin who wrote um, the the bestseller, The Happiness Project. Yes. Have you heard of her? I have. So she's got a podcast and it's awesome. It's just like little little 20 minute grabs, but she's got all these great little productivity hacks okay you know I love my productivity hacks yes yes so the one that I've picked up for this week that I've actually implemented and it works is her one minute rule and so she basically says if you have something that can be actioned in a minute do it so that means when you get home um, you know, usually I chuck my jacket, my bag and, you know, on the table and they stay there. And so eventually by the end of the week, you've got all this guff, right? <laughs> so she says, when you get home, take your shoes off, put them away, put, hang your bag up and hang your coat up. And these are little things that you can do in a minute yes. that at the end of the week, you don't have to spend like half a day putting everything away. Okay. So now I do that. So if an email comes in and I look at it and I can answer that email in a minute, I'm going to answer it. Right. But what happens when you think, "Mm, it's time to cook dinner. I can't do that in a minute. Well, then that doesn't count. It's like it's all those little, it's all those little minute things. Right. It's like, you know, so another thing that she does, like, I hate opening mail. I hate it. Oh. So I leave it. Okay. You know, so um, I, I, I avoid the mail. And so I've got this big pile that I have to open at the end of the week. So now I'll get it out of the mailbox. I will open it at the mailbox and then actually throw all the, the guff into the recycle on the spot. Right. And you'll actually open the envelope? 
Yes, I do it. I look at it re- and then put it in the in the pile that it's like you know to deal with it. If it's if you can deal with it in a minute, I will. And if it's uh, you know something that needs to be filed away, I'll file it away. It okay. really works. It's it's the best hack. The minute rule. The minute rule. All right, yeah. and it's it's made a difference in your life. Made a huge difference. Okay, cool. Gretchen Rubin. Yes. Yeah, is the podcast. Yes, and yeah, she wrote the Happiness Project. Did you read mm. it? I have, yeah. I like her. I like her stuff. It's really good. Have you read it? I started it. Oh, you couldn't finish it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, uh, tell me, how many books have you started in your life and not finished? Are you one of those you commit? I don't commit because don't life commit is to... too short. No, no, no. If something isn't working for me, mm. I will abandon. I used to not be like that. I used to feel I had to push through. But, you yeah. know, I've got other things to do with my time then so too. she classifies you as an opener you're an opener so if i went to your cupboard and open it up now you would have probably three boxes of the same cereal open because you love the opening the starting of <laughs> right oh, i've never thought of myself as an opener there you go <laughs> okay, I'll go check out my cereal cupboard and let you know. But let us move on to um, all things photographic. Tell, yep. apart from uh, you know reading or listening to your productivity hacks, what have you yep. been doing in terms of your photography, Gina? So I've done. Uh, we just finished a big uh, jewelry shoot, so um, a big fashion shoot. So some gorgeous uh, models that we work with there. Also did uh, a big cover shoot, which had a cast of thousands that that'll come out. I'll share. You, I'll share the shots with you at the end of the month. So, and that was awesome. So, there's been lots going on, and I've got some big projects that I'm working on now as well. And so, I mean, I can't go into more detail, Val. Yeah, you're yeah, very it's, secret it's annoying. Spirit. I know it's so annoying, but, but it's rest like when, assured, when they go, come out, I do share them. Yeah, listeners, rest assured that uh, when it's okay for Gina to talk about them, she will share them. So make sure you check out uh, Gina's. Will you sign up to Gina's newsletter? Uh, so just go to Gina com to uh, sign up to a newsletter and that's where she'll distribute, you know, many of the shots. But uh, I assume that the uh, big cover shoot that you did was like a group shot. Is that right? It was a big group shot, yeah. So cast thousands, yes. Because I cannot – now that I have had the tips from you about mm. how to shoot groups mm. and now that I've learned so much from you about shooting, you know, bunches of people, I yeah. cannot look at – an a group shot the same way again. Really? I just can't. And the other day I was looking at um, a world-famous musical that's currently in Sydney and a um, leading media outlet did the group shot and I just was, but that's wrong, that's wrong, they shouldn't have done that, they shouldn't have done oh, my God, it's just terrible. So, yeah, I'm now like this armchair critic when it comes to group shots, but that's that's all thanks to you. That's good and bad, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> now you're seeing. It's just like once you know something, you start noticing it and it can be annoying, can't it? Mm-mm-mm. But thank you to all the listeners who have sent through your questions and your comments and just your general feedback about the podcast. Really appreciate it. Also, love all of the shots that we're seeing on hashtag oh, yeah. Gina Challenge. You know, really awesome. So thank you for sending. It's really just fun just going through the hashtag and seeing the different interpretations of the of the themes that we've got each week. Mm. But um, 
in particular, just wanted to highlight some listener questions that we've received. And this one is, before we get into the guts of this week's podcast, but this one is from Confounded in Cupertino. <laughs> so sorry to hear you're confounded, but thanks for emailing us all the way from Cupertino. Mm. I was just down the road from you a few days ago. Uh, but anyway, um, Confounded in Cupertino has mentioned that he had to shoot a fundraising event at uh, – a local, a small local cinema, and the main attraction was a costume competition. So that was, you know, it was really fun. But the problem was that the it was so dark, and mm. there was no way that uh, the lights could be turned on. Mm. So Confounded has said uh, that the walls were hung were dark and hung with some kind of dingy dark red fabric, mm. and the ceiling was the height of Kilimanjaro, <laughs> and the house lights had two settings. Stig in darkness and pre-dawn on a cold day in hell. Mm. So in short, autofocus didn't work. Expo- yeah. The right exposure didn't work. So, and the shots just didn't, didn't work out. They were either blurred or overexposed or both. Yeah. Your advice, Gina? Yeah, that's uh, tricky. And I think um, every photographer has to have that experience once in their life. <laughs> but it's like the problem with the red walls is if you try and bounce flash, you're going to uh, get the red color coming into the skin tone. So that's not going to be ideal. And then, you know, we, we talked about ideally softening flash by bouncing it into a ceiling. But then he's got nowhere. There is no ceiling. Yeah. So, so what do you do in that situation where there are actual um, a, a few hacks that you could, that you can use? So his his main problem was it was too dark for to focus. He couldn't see. And yeah. so some of the more um, advanced uh, cameras will have like a, a pre light that comes out. It's like a little red laser beam that goes out first, and it'll send a light so that the camera can focus. So I'm assuming that his uh, camera didn't have that. So another thing you can do is I always carry in my camera bag a flashlight, a little little one. Just it's not it's not going to blind people, but you can actually uh, just uh, hold the flash light on, over someone's face so that you can um, you know get the shot. You it's mean like, shine it from where yes, you are shooting? Yeah, yeah, it's just shine it. Yeah, right. or get someone to hold. Or the other thing you can do, and I've I've had people do this, is just get someone next to you could go and just like be really upfront. Look, the lighting here is is atrocious. I can't. I don't want to turn the lights on. I don't want. I really want to capture the mood. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to get someone next to me with maybe an iPhone to just hold it up mm. and shine it into the group. So that just so you've got something to light the group so that or the person that you're photographing so that the flash you can the camera can see to focus. Yeah. All right. Yeah, perfect. So that's a, like a focus hack and I think I just sent out the newsletter which has got those focus hacks in you it. You did. Uh, it was just yes. last week. Yes. yes. Really so good. If, you want to explain you, that? If you don't have my newsletter sign up and you'll get those uh, three things but just um in short so basically what I do in really low light situations is and because the camera will try and find contrast that's how it focuses. Yeah. And if it's like uh, you know, sort of dull, dull lighting, they, won't, they, they can't find an edge to grip onto to get that focus. So really good hack and everyone has this now. Everyone's got a phone in their pocket. You get someone to just hold uh, a phone up against their face 
the face you, of the person, the person you, are that you are photographing yeah. and you focus on the phone because the screen is bright mm. and you'll lock on. And this works in low light. It also works in the situations it's impossible to focus if you're really backlit because the autofocus gets really confused. Oh, I don't know what to do. I don't mm. understand where I'm supposed to focus. But if you've got a bright light to focus on, it'll have something to lock on. So that works really well. And failing that, the, the torch, just um, shine a torch um, onto the face and uh, then the camera's got something to lock onto. So Yeah, and that, even if you don't have an assistant or whatever to hold the iPhone, someone. If, to, to hold the iPhone against the face of the person who you're shooting, just get that person, the person you're shooting, to hold the oh, iPhone up and then they and, can remove it. When and, and it's this, this in, like in, in, in a group situation, when you're working a party or at a function, great icebreaker it's just like mm. you just be up front hey it's like i will get someone in the crowd here hold, hold this for me come and stand here and then suddenly you've made friends with those people that, that they're not going to forget you in a hurry but just be up front don't pretend that like you know you're going to try and sneakily do this be up front <laughs> and open about it here please hold this help me out and then everyone's invested in the shot and you end up having the whole room helping you as your assistants um the other thing with the flash, if you can't bounce it, there are um, modifiers that you can uh, add to your camera that will actually help with that. Um, at a pinch, you can actually uh, have a little uh, piece of white cardboard that you keep in your camera bag. Mm. And again, you can actually get someone to just stand next to you and hold that card above you, right? Yes. So that you're going to bounce into the card and onto the person. Yep. And if you're really sort of clever, you can ha hold the camera with one hand and then hold your other hand above the camera and, um, you know, point the flash up into the ceiling yep. and then you bounce it from the card into the person. Yep. Okay. And then there's actual modifiers that will do a similar thing. So they'll bounce up and then back forward into the person. So hopefully that helps confounded in Cupertino. Uh, you know, one of the easiest things, the, the flashlight, but also as Gina mentioned, um, you know, just being honest with people because they yeah. want good shots as well. So yeah. they won't mind helping out by, you know, holding an iPhone or, or having a flashlight shone on their face temporarily. Um, so hopefully that's useful for you. Mm. So we have another question, this time from Ashley in Boston, Massachusetts. Hello, Ashley. And Ashley says, hi, Gina and Valerie. I've been listening to your podcast and find them informative. I'm a photographer looking to start my own portrait business. Been flirting with the idea for quite some time, but lack the confidence and know-how on the business side of things, as well as a bit on my abilities. My question is about pricing. What is the best way to price your sessions, prints, etc., in order to get the business and not scare people away with being too high? In other words, not too high, not too low. Mm. Also, if I'm not too confident in my abilities, how can I feel comfortable charging someone a lot of money if I feel I can't deliver? So, Ashley, thank you so much for your question because I think that a lot of people have this exact same question. Yep. So, in fact, you, Ashley, have inspired the topic of this week's podcast, yep. which is all about the money, the pricing. So, where in the world do we start, Gina? Especially for somebody in mm. Ashley's position. Let's, well, you know, go with that. Well, I think before we start and we go right into, um, you know, breaking down money and charging and everything, mm. I, I want to go back even a step further and okay. talk about self-worth. Okay. Okay. It's impossible to, to um, do anything with confidence if you're not going to uh, be confident in your abilities. And, and that comes down, you know, to, to fear. We often fear that we're not good enough. 
right? I got a quote. You have a quote, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I, I um actually shared this with my uh, daughter the other day, who was having a, 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 a crisis of confidence as well about what to do. And I, I think this is a great quote for creative. So I'm just going to read it out to you, okay? Okay. So, are you a born writer? Were you put on earth to be a painter, a scientist, an apostle of peace? In the end, the question can only be answered by action. Do it or don't do it. It may help to think of it this way. If you are meant to cure cancer or write a symphony or crack cold fusion and you don't do it, you not only hurt yourself, even destroy yourself, you hurt your children, you hurt me, you hurt the planet. Creative work is not a selfish act or a bid for attention on the part of the actor. It's a gift for the world and and every being in it. Don't cheat us of your contribution. Give us what you've got. And that quote is from Stephen Pressfield, and it's a book called The War of Art, Break Through the Blocks and Win Your Inner Creative Battles. There's some great quotes in that book. What too. a great quote. That's, mm. that's awesome. So if you've got a skill, you owe it to the world to share that skill. And, you, and, and it's like you've just come, overcome that, that fear of putting yourself out there and not being good enough, really important. But I guess the question that may – and Ashley may not feel this, but some other people like Ashley may feel this – is that they may be wondering whether they have that skill in the first place. That's why they don't have the confidence. So you know how you find out? Mm -hmm. You put yourself out there. Right. Okay. So you put yourself out there and and you start – you dip your your toe in and you start slowly, you know. So – Amongst our listeners, we've got like we've all got all different sort of ranges of uh, you know sort of photography skills and the styles of photography. We've got commercial, professional commercial photographers. There's uh, portrait and wedding photographers. There's part-time photographers. There's enthusiasts, food mm. photographers, product photographers, all manner of photographers out there. Yes. So and and it's like, but basically, um, you know working out how to charge and what to charge, it's all the same, only maybe the numbers might be a bit bigger <laughs> depending <laughs> on what you're doing. So, But, you know, th- there are steps and ways and things you need to look at to actually uh, know how to charge, what to charge and when to charge. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, what I want to cover today is uh, how to set your prices to actually return a profit. Yep. The different styles and ways that you can price uh, as a photographer mm. and the factors that influence how much you can charge. And then, because I love my psychology hacks, some of the, uh, you know, the psychology of pricing and, and how that affects how you price your products. Okay, great. That sounds like a good start. All right. So here's something to think about. At the moment in photography, in the world of photography, it's really crowded down the bottom end yeah. because suddenly everyone wants to be a photographer. Yeah. So, so it's packed. There's lots of people. So if you are an enthusiast or a part-time photographer and you are not relying on photography as your main income, I think you've got a really good opportunity to come in and price your product at the premium and be competing with the, uh, the, the, the big boys. That's a really interesting stuff. take. Yes, because um, and so you, it, it's worth your while to work your way up and, and think about getting to a point where, you, you know, you're good enough. And if it's something that you don't think you want to do like full time, then really work out ways that you can put together packages and, and 
value add and offer at the, at, the, at the top end, so mid to top end and compete that way rather than being the one who's the cheap photographer. Even if you haven't had a lot of experience yet? Not if you haven't had a lot of experience. If you haven't had a lot of experience, you want to start slowly. So we want to be like easing our way in. So what happens is generally when you're starting out in photography, you will start by, you start taking photos yes. and then you start sharing your photos yeah. and then people start liking your photos. And then suddenly someone will ask you, can you do this portrait or that portrait? Or that and event. Then, and that event. And then, and then it gets to the point where you start getting so many of them that you think, well, it's time to start charging. Yeah. So what do I do and how do I charge and what are the different ways to, to price yourself in okay. that regard? Okay. So um, – and it, and it's different depending on the on the on the type of photography. So, portrait photographers um, generally charge will charge a low sitting fee. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it'll be you know uh, a, a low amount to get the person in the door, yeah. and then they'll do the shoot, and then they'll sell prints and yeah. packages or files. Yeah, uh, is the way to go. So that's the way they do it. Uh, wedding photographers might charge like a base rate to turn up yep. and cover the event. And then there's add-ons after that, although that is now changing. And, and uh, the trend in wedding photography now is the complete package where right. the, the client walks away with everything. And so they'll give you a price and that's for, you know, the, the, the coverage of the day and all the files yep. because everyone's insisting on files now. Now, there's still photographers that will uh, not give away their files and will continue to sell prints and will continue to sell albums. But the trend seems to be going towards the uh, the giving of the files with yep. the shoot. Because people okay. want to put them on Facebook and stuff like that as well. And they want, and, yeah, and it's like it's all instant. So, like, why are they going to wait? So, you know, half the guests have already posted the, the entire mm. wedding on Instagram mm. and then you're, you're going to make them wait another three months. So, like, all the savvy photographers are actually posting mm. uh, stuff as they go along as well. So it's that whole instant thing. So I think it's really smart to be thinking about whether you want to like just make sure that you're, you're, you're covered for, for the day that you're there and you make sure you set a price and everything's included and you're not having to um, hustle to get to, to sell more prints and after some, the session. And some savvy photographers are making sure they become Facebook friends with their clients, the, their wedding clients, so that when they do share things on the day and tag the client, the client mm. shares that yep. immediately and, you know, people get to see that that person who took the shots is a photographer. And that's just a smart thing to do for all photographers. Mm. You, um, a friend or add them to your page and mm. then tag everyone that's in the shots so that they get shared and shared and shared and shared, just yep. a really clever way uh, to do things. Uh, commercial photographers charge uh, a fee that includes the service fee for doing the job mm. plus the files plus the travel plus the plus the studio hire assistant, hair and makeup, yep. and then often there's usage on top of that. Okay, yep. so that's, yep. that's my preferred method. Can you please explain to people usage? Uh, usage, okay. So uh, let's say I do a shoot for a production company for their latest uh, TV show, okay, in Australia. So, uh, the, you know, they've got a show. I do all the, uh, the, the promo shots and they'll be distributed and uh, sent out to, to publicise covers and things like that. That will be for Australia only, mm. okay? Then I'll renegotiate a fee for worldwide usage of those shots, yep. 
right? So, and and that's generally, um, you know, another fee on top of that, so that then the rest of the world gets access to those shots. Yeah. So that that's 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 how usage works, and that and that can be, um, you know, you could be shooting uh, shampoo commercials yep. and it'll be that you know one usage for this and then they might want to use it again for something else and also uh sometimes with editorial it'll be i'll shoot for a magazine mm. and then those shots will be bought by another magazine to use again in another country as well or it might be a different magazine in the same country but like my um contract is that's one-off usage yeah and if anyone else uses it it's another it's another fee again yeah great okay mm-hmm. Uh, editorial uh, is generally charged by assignment, so that'll be that'll be a set fee mm. per half day or day yes. that you get to to do that job. And and depending on the um on the magazine that you're shooting with, it, that 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 there might there's often you can add on things like uh you know uh, travel and uh, other other uh, fees as well. But it's generally like one fee covers the entire shoot. And the um magazine gets all the shots and then the the, magazine the the magazine gets all the files as well yeah product photographers uh tend to charge by the product so like if a if a client say wants uh 20 of their you know uh necklaces shot yes rather than uh charging uh an hourly rate because it's like it's not a very clever way for it to, to, to be charging because the client will, may get, uh, you know, end up paying more in the end. So generally it's a, a, a unit cost. So, so it'll be, you know, anywhere between, uh, you know, $10, $15 at the low, lower end to $100, $150 at the high end to, mm-hmm. to shoot a product depending on what the product is. Mm-hmm. And just as an aside – there's a really good market opening up for uh, pack photography again in the world. What it went mean? away for a long time. Okay, so pre-digital, mm. pack photography was the shot of the carton of milk, the shot of the, um, you know, the bottle of uh, um, orange juice or whatever that went into a catalogue. Yes. Just simple, not advertising, but just like, we just need to see what the product is, yeah. okay? And then digital came in and there, and there wasn't as big a need. But do you know what's happened? What? Everyone is now online. Yes. Every store is online. So suddenly everyone needs uh, good quality photography to sell their products online. And yeah. what's now happened is people are realising that Joe Schmo or Jan in accounts <laughs> with her great camera mm. – He's not going to do as good a job as a professional who will make the images look amazing yes. and sell more. So you give it to Jan and accounts. She can make the, the necklaces look all right, but then when a professional does them, they look fantastic. So I, I see that there is quite an opening at, at that end of the market mm, now, mm. And, and I've seen that a lot. And so there's a lot of people. And you can set up in a small area. You could work from just like you just need a room because it's just yeah. small photography just yep. as an aside, something I've noticed. Okay. Um, all right. Art photographers will sell per print. Okay. So you mean photographers who are so, taking photos as, as a form of art? Yes. So basically they're just shooting 
and then they'll put their work out there and, and hopefully someone comes along and will buy the prints. Mm-hmm. But they're not getting paid for their time or anything. It's like it's none of the work is actually commissioned. Yes. It's based on a print sale. And there are some, some ones that are, that, are, that are making an okay living doing that, okay? Right. And then there's stock photography. Uh, and stock photographers uh, get paid uh, per use, per file. So uh, and, and basically they... Uh, Tra- travel around the world or, you know, even uh, just in their local area and they provide stock photography. And we, we all know what stock photography is, Val. Yeah. You, know, you know, it might be uh, photos of businessmen shaking hands or, you know, people looking happy, jumping for joy, whatever. And again, there is a not like an, a whole need for that area. And um, it, it can be lucrative, but it takes a long time to build up that area um, as well. So, that's And also a, because yeah. you need so many types of shots in order to get a decent income from it. You need, you know, a, lot. You yeah. need a lot. And the prices have actually uh, dropped now because it's a, like, um, you know, you can buy stock photography for a buck a pop, I think. So, um, but there's more people buying, there's more online. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's another, it's another form of income, I guess. It could be an aside for people if you've got those overshots that you don't need for the particular shoot. If you've got ownership of those, it might be worth just putting them in a stock library and you never know, you might sell a few here or there. Okay, so there's obviously different types of photography, as we yep. know, but in each of them charge in different ways. So for people who are listening who may be in one or other of these categories, what's the next thing they need to think about in terms of, well, what do I charge? <laughs> How do I determine this? Okay, so so here's the thing. We'll go back to this the, this fear thing. So there's this whole myth that, you know, um, if you're any good at what you do as, a, as an artist, there's a, the whole sensitivity that comes in and, and it's difficult. People feel uncomfortable about like charging for their art. They don't feel right about it. It's not, but it's like, um, <laughs> it's quite you, Val. <laughs> you say to me when I'm having a crisis, it's like the Valerie quote, <laughs> yeah, get over it. <laughs> Which is like, this is a really beautiful, sensitive way you have of handling things, Val. Okay. <laughs> just turn around and say, but it, it, this is something that it's like, yeah, you got to get over. It's like, you know, so often it might be that you, you got to sort of work out where does this all the fear and the insecurity come from? It's like, I know that my family, when I turn around and said, I'm going to be a photographer, mm-hmm. they're quite disappointed right. because it's like, they're going, you just went to, um, you just went and got yourself a degree. You're a qualified teacher. Um, we want to brag about you being a teacher. And do you know for like 10 years they would say, um, yeah, my daughter is a photographer, but she's qualified as a teacher. Oh. qualified because they were a bit embarrassed by the fact that I was a photographer because they saw that as like, you know, a creative, the struggle, the whole struggling artist, you know. Right. And there's like, there's, there's all sorts of examples through history. You know, Paul Van Gogh, the impressionist artist, he only ever sold one painting in his life and that was to his um, brother, you know, and he struggled. And then he dies and he becomes like, you know, his paintings are now sold for multi, hundreds of millions. Millions. Right. And then we've got Annie Leibowitz, mm. who's like brilliant, amazing photographer, but not so great at business. She nearly went bankrupt. That's right. She had to sell her, many of her photos to, her, you know, to stay afloat. And um, she sold her home for $28 million in West Village and it's beautiful. I put a link in the show notes because 
her house is so beautiful. But mm-hmm. yeah, she was nearly uh, bankrupt because she just made some poor business decisions. Yeah. So, you know, it's really important to, um, you know, if you're going to go into, into business as a photographer, then you've got to think about the business side of photography, uh, you know, just so that you can um, make a living out of it and, and stay afloat and not get yourself into trouble, mm. you know. And, uh, well, well, let's all, wouldn't it be good if we all had that sort of, that, that uh, you know, $200 million owing, like any mm. problem. <laughs> It'd be great. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What are you trying to say? That, you, that, that they're not going to make money or like Van Gogh and Annie Leibovitz? What, what's no, no, no. So point? like Annie, but like there is money to be made in, mm-hmm. in photography. You just need to be careful that uh, you don't get so hung up on the, uh, the whole side of just the taking of the photos that you are pricing yourself too low to actually, uh, you know, cover the cost right. of so business. Right, you, so you, you, you need to, even though you're a creative artist and yep. photographers are creative artists, if you want to make money from this, you need to treat it like a business as well. Exactly. It's not just about the creativity. It's not just about the art. It's, it's combining both of them yes. so that you can make money from it. Yes. Okay? Yes. Great. So what do we need to consider as okay. a result of this? So firstly, uh, something to think about, and, and, and this is the only real tangible thing, you know, that, and it's what is the cost of doing business and how do you calculate that, okay? So the problem is that many uh, photographers don't actually research uh, properly when setting their prices. So like, uh, what happens with a lot of photographers is they decide, I'm going to be a photographer. So first thing they do is they will uh, ring around other photographers posing as a client and, uh, and get and, and or send emails. I, I probably get an email every couple of weeks from someone going, um, I'm doing a portrait shoot. What would you charge me for that, that, that and that? And because they're, right. they're gauging what the prices are. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of a good start. But then you're assuming that every photographer in your area mm. has actually uh, done their math properly and, and that's how they're pricing uh, their photography based on what the costs are. So mm. the problem is a lot of photographers will just uh, pluck a, a figure out of the air. Yeah. And go, well, that's what everyone else is charging and that's yeah. what I'm going to charge. And it's just not sustainable. And it's just wrong. And it's wrong. Yeah, because I'm, I always – it's certainly because people ask me similar questions for writing, you know, which is a creative field as well. Yeah. And one of the key things I say to them is pick a, a price that you are not going to resent. Yes. You know, because then if you're right. not going to resent it and it doesn't matter, stop the comparison game. doesn't matter no. what other people yep. uh, are charging because yep. you have no idea what their circumstance is or whether yep. or the, their quality. Yep. Um, but pick a price that you're not going to resent. And if they, if the client says yes, then that's a win for both because the client yep. was obviously happy with that price and yep. you, if you've picked a price you, you're not going to resent, are going to be happy with the price as well. Yep. But anyway, right yeah, point. go on. So I just want to give an example, okay? Mm. So um, headshots in mm-hmm. my area, and this is like I know we've got we've got listeners from all over the world, so it's going to vary. Uh, Melbourne is a uh, very high cost of living here, so basically, uh, going rate can be anywhere between two hundred and five hundred, okay, for a headshot. And how many headshots would an actor get for that? One. Mm-hmm. That's a headshot session. Okay. So that's an hour session, okay? Yep. So. 
a photographer coming in can go, right, okay, everyone else is charging 200 I'm currently working at uh, the local cafe for 15 bucks an hour or $10 an hour. I reckon I can charge 50 bucks for an hour's work. I'm doing all right, right? So they'll set themselves up and they'll, uh, they'll be, that's what they'll do. They'll charge $50 for that shot. But is that really what you're making on that shot? It's not. If you break it down, to earn that $50 for that hour, you've got the hour session, right? Then you've got you got add and maybe 30 minutes um, chatting to the client, emailing back and forth to schedule the shoot, okay? You might have – doing it in a, in a studio or you might want to shoot on location, but you've got to still get to the studio or set it up, right? Mm. There might be studio costs involved. Then there's post-production. You know, I don't think anyone, even the cheapest of photographers, is just going to hand over the card straight out of the camera. Mm. So you're going to have to, at the bare minimum, download the shot, tweak it a little bit, rename it hopefully, and then give it back to the client. So, you know, all of that time, you might end up for that one hour, spend an hour, three and a half hours doing that shot. Mm. Okay? So suddenly your $50 is working out to be about $14 an hour. And you still haven't factored in the rent, right? It's yeah. Like camera, petrol, electricity, mm. phone, insurance, cleaning, coffee, tax, <laughs> yes. et cetera, okay? So that $50 that was looking good, and this is what happens with a lot like wedding photographers. They'll come in, they'll say 200 bucks for a wedding, I'm going to be laughing because I'm just going to do like, you know, a hundred weddings a year and I'm mm. going to make like a decent living. They all burn out because yeah. it's like, it's not just not sustainable. No. Okay. Now I was really lucky in that I had great mentors and I was, uh, before I started charging, I was already uh, working for a photographer. I saw what he charged. I knew other photographers and I knew what they charged. And I actually remember that, um, that I was, uh, going in for an interview uh, to uh, work with a, a TV network and this was my first TV gig and when I was in the lift about to go into the interview, there was another photographer that stepped in the lift and um, we got chatting and he said, uh, uh, he asked me what I was doing and I told him and he's like, okay, he said, do us all a favour, please do the right thing and don't F us all over. He said, compete on quality, not price. I've never forgotten that, Val. Wow, that's great. You know, mm. so that's the advice he gave me. And then he actually, and I asked him, I said, give me an hourly rate. He said, don't go any lower than this. Mm. And he gave me a figure and I stuck to that. I honoured that. Mm. I did the right thing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want it. I do. I, d- I don't want to ever be known as the cheap photographer. Mm-hmm. I want to be known. I want people to be booking me because I'm good, not because I'm cheap. And I've yeah. stuck to that. And so you can compete on quality. You want to be the one that's like they're coming to you for that reason, not because you're the cheap one mm-hmm. because then they don't care. Okay. Yeah. So when it comes to actually uh, working out uh, how much to charge, there's lots of uh, uh, great online tools that you can actually um, – put in like an hourly rate that you're comfortable earning Mm -hmm. and then you can factor in, you can add in all your like all your overheads and you can come up with an hourly rate. And it's all going to be different depending on what style of uh, photography you're doing. But uh, there's there's a good um, 
online one that I've put in the show notes from the Sprouting Photographer, and they've actually uh, written a book as well. Mm-hmm. That uh, and I think they're based in Canada, um, okay. but that but their book has been used um, by uh, some uh, teaching institutions as well as like a good way to teach people how to actually charge. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so basically, as a general rule of thumb, if you want to earn like fifty thousand dollars a year as an income. You need to be actually charging two and a half times that amount. Yep. Okay. Okay. And so, um, you know, to, to make that money, so to include all your uh, overheads and costs, etc. So, and um, so, I, I, you might rephrase that. I think I think what you mean is if you want to be earning gross fifty thousand income per year, like take home to you, take home in your pocket, you should be you looking for a revenue of one hundred twenty-five thousand. Right. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing a wedding, if you're uh, weddings, okay, then um, you would divide one hundred twenty-five by say uh, eleven months of the year. You know, and you, you work out that you you need to be earning uh, twelve and a half thousand a month. Because you want a month off, yep. basically. That's how I've worked it out. Right. So, um, you know, or, or 3000 roughly 3000 a week, basically. So if you're doing weddings, uh, that might be a wedding a week. Mm-hmm. It might be a day of advertising a week or three portrait sessions at $1,000 a session. Mm-hmm. So you're charging an upfront fee to get that, that, that sort of money in your Three pocket. portrait sessions per week at $1,000. Three, three session. portrait sessions a week, you know, mm-hmm. depending on how you do But that's just a, a rough sort of uh, rule of thumb about, you know, sure. sort of how to charge. And, and um, you know, basically you work out that you fix costs of doing business, um, you know, you, you include things like, you know, studio or home office rent, your phone, your electricity, your insurance, your internet, your website provider, your car, travel expenses, maintenance of gear, accounting and um, office supplies. Okay? Yeah. So what are you saying? Add them all up? Yeah. Okay. Like a monthly figure? And yeah, do, yeah. Do, so do so what? Come, up, come up with a monthly figure and that you work out uh, what your expenses are. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then you uh, take it out of your actual total costs and then you include uh, tax in that depending on what your tax bracket is. So on that 125, you know, you, I've worked out that maybe you like roughly you might have like a $5,000 like uh, cost of doing business per month just to open your doors. Mm-hmm. So you might be paying um, 60000 in costs and then the rest goes to tax and you're left with fifty k in your pocket. Right, okay. Oh, that's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> it's, math. it's math, Valerie. Let's go back to talking about vectors. <laughs> I, can, I think that once you're ready to, you know, plunge into it full time, that's really important. And But I think if you are sort of just dipping your toe in the water a bit, uh, you know, and, and just flirt, and Ashley says that Ashley is flirting with the idea yeah. to looking to start, you know, Ashley's own portrait business, I think that um, while you're still flirting with the idea and you're trying to think of the pricing, because, you know, you don't have all of that. You don't have a studio yet. You don't have all of that when you're just dipping your toe in the water. Um, uh, And that formula is fantastic when you're ready to write that business plan. Uh, I I think it's very much a case of, um, uh, of, of what I said before, charging an amount that you don't resent. And once yeah. you've got a few gigs under your belt, you'll be able to get a feeling for, you know, was that worth my time? 
Do I actually resent it now? Was that, do I feel well paid for that gig? Yeah. And, and, and you're never going to actually have that confidence to know that until you actually go and do the job and get paid for the job and see what it felt like for you. Test so, the lay of the land. Though. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're still at that flirting stage, as Ashley is, um, maybe you don't need to do the big formula at this stage just yet. No. You probably you can do that six months down the track, but just – you know, quote some prices and don't be scared of what you're quoting because you can change it. You can change yep. it for the next person you quote because, you know, that, that next job's going to have different parameters and different needs. So it is variable anyway. It's not like yep. you have to – some people get stuck on this idea that they need to determine their price and put it on their and, website and it's going to no, be no. there set in stone forevermore. But you don't have to do that. Don't no. be afraid that you need to quote a, a set price and stick to it because every job is different. Exactly. And then the other thing, if you uh, have a a price that you set and everyone is booking you, every person says yes straight away, Mm. then maybe that's a good indication that your prices might be a little bit too low. Yes. And, you know, on the other hand, if you're putting a price out there and no one is booking you, then perhaps your price is a little bit too high. Or you need to market yourself better. Or you might need to market yourself. But it's just a matter of finding that, that, that sweet spot. You know okay. that you that you're getting that that like the people are saying enough people are saying yes for you to be getting that um, work and then again you're not resenting it which okay. is great Val. So what's your advice when you know you you said that you know you get an email once a week of someone saying hey how much is the portrait for t- session with you what's your advice to you know when when a, a potential client basically comes up to you you're in a situation where you're not sure what to, to quote, and they're saying, hey, you know, I've got this job, just wondering how much you would charge. Don't ever be afraid to um, ask a client what their ballpark is. Mm. So, so you, you let them put it out there. You know, I mean, I have um, set prices that, that I know and then I'm comfortable charging with. But, you know, if you're starting out, um, you, it, 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 I think it's quite okay to, to ask for a budget and then you can counter offer based on that. You know, you can say, um, you know, if they're offering you a certain amount, then you can um, raise it from there. What's your advice when they say, look, when the client says, you know what, I've really got no idea. I'd really love for you to give me an idea. Well, you 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 come up with a figure like you said that you, you're comfortable with yeah. in charging, that basically, you that you don't resent, and so it needs to basically be enough to cover, you know, like all the hours that you're going to put into it, um, and and the, you know, basically the cost of getting you there and post processing and everything, so that you come away at the end of it with something in your pocket. So my biggest piece of advice on that, because I'm quite big on this whole pricing and quoting thing, especially for creatives that I advise, is that often you feel uncertain about to quote because you don't know enough about the job. So before you even quote, ask as many questions as you Mm. can where is it, you know, so you can work out the travel time. How many people are involved? Is there an approval process? How many people will I be shooting? How many um, mm. shots do you expect at the end? How many different locations? How many um, uh, different types of looks do you want? What is the ultimate usage of it? Ask as many questions yeah. as possible because yeah. that's the only way you're going to actually have a firm idea of what's involved and then you can actually quote with confidence yeah. to often, you know, you kind of put on the spot and how much mm. will this job be? And you feel forced to, to 
to give a price when you and don't actually know enough about yeah. the job. Well, whether it's low or high, you don't actually know enough about the job. And that's why you feel that level of anxiety as to whether or not you have done the right thing or quoted appropriately. But when you take out as many variables as possible, ask as many questions as you can so that you have a really clear idea of the job, you can actually make a very good educated uh, a quote, informed yep. quote, and you don't and, and you don't have that level of, of anxiety. And the beauty about that is, is when you quote to the person and say, this is based on, and then you list all of the, you know, things yep. that you've discovered. This is based yep. on, you know, eight looks, three locations, blah, blah, yep. blah, blah, blah. Yep. So that if the client suddenly adds an extra six locations, you can say, okay, that's fine. No problem. But the quote will vary now because that initial quote was on three locations. Exactly. And it's so important to have that conversation up front and have the parameters done up front so that if it does change, if the goalposts are moved along the way, you can uh, set a different rate. And I think um, also, I think this is where having mentors is really important because I know that a lot of the assistants that, uh, you know, have, have worked with me and have now gone off and have started their own businesses will often call me and they're like, look, I'm thinking of doing this job. What do you think? This is what I'm thinking. And then I'll sit there and, and, and tweak the quote with them. And I also have, you know, peers in, in, in my industry that, that, that are friends that, that I'll ring and say, hey, look, I'm, I'm doing this job. How do you feel? What do you think about this? And they're like, well, you know, don't forget this because you'll overlook things. Yeah. Okay. And I think what's really important is like never just give a price over the phone when someone calls you. Mm. Always say that like, you know, yes, I, I'm um, going to go away and I'll, I'll give you a written quote. So it's always in writing so that it gives you time to, to, to have a think and carefully consider everything that you need um, to do in that quote. And then another thing is if you are in that process of just starting out, some of the shot, some of the jobs you're going to do, you can you you may want to take because they're 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 great and that you can use them as folio building. Okay, mm. you need to tell the client that it's like, okay, I'm setting you this price because I really want to use this job as folio building. Okay, mm. and let them know because it's like you know when they come back in a year's time or they've then told all their friends who have seen your shots of how good they are. Um, you then um, they're not going to resent you for putting your prices up or, or doubling the prices yeah. or things like that, okay? Sure. Okay, so there's things like, you know, also there's times that like being the cheap photographer can work if you can do it to scale. So if you're going to charge $50 for a headshot and you can work out that you can have sessions over a day where, you know, you can do like 20 or 30 in a day, then that's, that, that works out well because you're doing it all in bulk, Yes. Okay. So, so you might be shooting work. at a corporation and yeah, exactly. you might go through 100 corporate headshots in a day. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So what else have you got, Gina, on pricing? Okay. So um, the other variables when it comes to pricing are all emotion-based and there's four. So the first one, um, how confident are you? In charging and sell, how, how well do you sell yourself? How confident are you in your technique? And, you know, how confident are you in not having to justify your prices? And how much do you believe in the value of the photography? You know, because there's people that will say, you know, I wouldn't pay that for a, 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 a portrait session. Well, if you're not going to believe it, then who, who is? 
you know. So you need to like, you know, when I charge a price, I honestly know that I'm giving my client that value for money. I know what my photography is going to do for them. And I'm not afraid to tell them about that. You know, there is an awesome YouTube video out there by an American photographer by the name of Bambi Cantrell. And um, she uh, was doing a creative live workshop and I think that's this is where they filmed it from. And um, she talks about um, knowing what to charge and, and one, of her, one of my favourite quotes from her is, um, if you can afford yourself, you're too cheap. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. And so, you know, she, she, she gives this whole um, talk about the – the, the, the clients they'll come in and uh, she'll she'll have she would have had the session and they've come back and she'll say okay so um, they'll say how much for an eight by ten she'll say it's two hundred dollars for an eight by ten and the clients will turn around to her and say um, I can go down to my local shopping center and I can get an eight by ten for three dollars twenty five mm-hmm. why am I going to pay for yours and Bambi says do you want a three dollar twenty five um, eight by ten, I can give you one. She'll go back to her office. She gets a blank piece of paper and she'll give it to them. Mm-hmm. She's like, "The eight by ten is three dollars twenty-five. The rest is what you're paying for my skill, mm-hmm. right?" Mm-hmm. So, and and she just puts it so well. I think it's it's uh, it's worthwhile uh, having a look. She'll, she she talks about things like you know, we if we really value something, we will pay the money. We will not think twice about like when you go to buy a TV, you're going to drop the dollars on the TV Mm. because we value it or a new couch or a pair of shoes or a dress, okay? If you believe in the value of that product, people will pay. So it's just about having that confidence and believing in that value of that product. Mm -hmm. All right? Yep. So next, um, what's your perceived value? How do people see you? Okay, so I remember, mm, good point. you know, um, when I uh, had, when I was starting out, I've worked in large studios, I've worked in small studios and I've worked from home. And I remember when I was uh, working out of home, that's when I was ha- having my uh, babies, my, my uh, level of work only ever got to a certain level in terms of my bookings, never went above that for that couple of years, Right. And then I went and got myself a, a large swanky studio and everything changed overnight. Mm. What There was nothing di- – my style was exactly the same. Mm. I dressed exactly the same. I spoke exactly the same. So what changed? How people perceived you. Exactly. Yep. So suddenly I look like, you know, one of the big boys in town yep. again. And, and you know, that, that, that you, you see that all the time. It's like, you know um, – when I go for like a hairdressing salon, you know, I, I like uh, I recently went to one and it was very swanky. I was overseas, you know, there was the, 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 the guy, the valet that got you out of the car and then you sat there in the China, they served the coffee on China and it was like really lovely, beautiful magazines, everything was amazing and, mm. you know, I paid top price for <laughs> that because look at the place, yeah. you know. It was there was someone there that massaged your feet while you got your hair done. Oh, that, I've got to go there. I know. Mm. How good? Yeah, good. Right. Mm. Then you can go to the local one that's just in a like just on the street, you know, mm. but still the medium one, which is still pretty good. Mm. But you know, 
not that level and I'll pay a certain price for that. Mm. And then there's Jan who works out of the caravan in her backyard. <laughs> who, when you go see her, she's got a fag hanging out her mouth, her dog's there, you know, you can see the washing, you, you know. Um, well, how much are you going to pay Jan? Jan who also works in accounts. <laughs> Jan's multi-talented. Jan's very talented. And if you happen to be cutting hair out of a caravan, there's nothing wrong with that there at all. There is nothing wrong with that, but there will be a price that people will put. And You know, I am not going to pay. Unfortunately, it doesn't matter how good Jan is, mm-hmm. I'm not going to pay the same price for Jan's haircuts as I am for the one who where I get my foot massage. What if she does your accounting as well? Well, I think about that, you know. <laughs> So perceived value is very important. How are you putting yourself out there yeah, okay. as a photographer? So okay? impressions count. Make they sure, really yeah, do. If you want they to be really charging do. top dollar, you need to be um, – you, you need, you know, your prospective customers perceive you as somebody worth charging top dollar. You know, and that you can do a lot with that with your social media presence and, and how you present it, how you present your work. You know, are you just giving people files – on a CD where you're not even naming them? Is it just a CD where you've, you know, used chicken scrawl across the, the CD and it's just like handed in a brown paper bag? <laughs> or are you going to the next level where, you know, everything's beautifully packaged and everything just always looks expensive? And to look expensive doesn't necessarily mean it has to be expensive. It just has to have that perceived value, sure. right? Okay. So next um, – what the market will bear and what's the competition, okay? So um, you, 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 it's pointless coming in and going, okay, I'm going to come in and charge um, $2,000 for a headshot when the going rate is like 200 to 500 because it's like you're, not, you're just not going to um, – it's, it's, it's very hard to be in there. So there, there will be like a certain level, of, like an expected level of what, the, the photography is worth at that level. Now, there's some people who have managed to blow that myth out of the water and they'll come in and there's, there's a few exceptions. Like I think Annie is 300000 a day, right, <laughs> to get her. But that's how she got her $28 million house. That's how she got her $28 million <laughs> house. But, you know, there's only a, a, a few people that are doing that. So you, you need to consider that and, and, and what the going rates are. So within, within reason, Val, okay, you don't need to stick to that. But there is, you know, so I think in mind. despite the fact that we said, you know, don't play the comparison game, yeah. the reality is, you know, don't be unrealistic yeah. in, in if, especially if you're first starting out. Once you make a name for yourself and have a really strong brand yourself, you can be one of the outliers and yep. charge more than the going rate. But if you're starting out, you know, still charge a decent amount, absolutely, and one that you don't resent, but don't go crazy either. Yep, 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 yep. Finally, um, the quality of your work, okay, and this is everything. So it's the entire experience that you're offering the clients, uh, how you direct, how you light, your post-production, everything, you know, what quality are you bringing to the table? And I think, you know, this is the way that I compete with other photographers and this is how I value add and this is how I've always um, managed to, to, to set myself in the market because I want to be remembered as uh, the one that, uh, you know, directed in a certain way um, and uh, presented the work in a certain way and the way I made my clients feel on the day. Mm. That's how 
I set myself apart from from the others. And I think if you can compete on quality, I think you're doing really well. I think that's probably the best way to be trying to compete with other photographers. You just keep raising the bar every time you do a shoot and you make sure that everything you do, you put 150% effort into everything you do and make it amazing, Mm. the whole experience. Great. All right? Absolutely. yeah, so basically the way I charge myself is I charge a day rate and all upfront costs and um, and usage. So that's like, you know, and so I, I, I uh, use a, a sort of a commercial um, method of charging for, for my rates, okay? Mm-hmm. So how's that? Good. I think that's, that's good. I think one of the things that um, you mentioned to me previously was um, also just about the language. And whether you, you, you know, um, you would refer to things as, uh, your, you know, your investment is X or, you know, the, your cost is X right. or my creative fee is X as opposed yep. to, you know, my, my uh, the fee for this session is X. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, they're, they're, like there really is um, like when you're pricing things and, and, and wording uh, your, your, your pricing and, and your quotes – um, you, you can really uh, make it a whole lot more attractive and uh, upmarket uh, by the way you word it. So you've said a couple. So using the word investment instead of cost or price or rates, um, commissions begin at instead of uh, prices or rates start at, complimentary instead of saying free, Yeah. creative fee instead of saying session fee, capture the wedding instead of saying shoot the wedding, yeah, nice. I like that. Capture the wedding. A collection instead of a package. A collection sounds upmarket. A package kind of sounds like, you know, not, not as upmarket. Mm. The photographer in a wedding instead of the second shooter. Mm. The artist instead of the main shooter. Oh. Images or photographs instead of shots. Mm. Or pics. Yeah. Gift prints instead of five by sevens. The handcrafted album <laughs> instead of the eleven fourteen album, okay. and first edition prints instead of proofs. Right. So just a little little hack there into how you uh, um, name the thing because it's all, all about right. that that and that all contributes to how people perceive you. And another yep. thing that you've mentioned to me before is the kind of like the power of having three different pricing levels. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, it's a technique called anchoring. And so basically, um, I'm just going to give you like, if um, like it's a, it's a human condition, right? That, mm-hmm. that, that you, we have a tendency to uh, rely on, on the first piece of information offered and it's called an anchor when we're making a decision. And so, um, you know, once an anchor is set, you make your judgments on other things based on the first piece of information you've set. So if you want to sell um, a a $2,000 portrait package, Mm -hmm. if you put it between a $10,000 package and a $400 package. You mean collection, um, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm sorry, Valerie. Uh, (laughs) Yes, we are up market. If you want to sell a $2,000 portrait collection, Mm -hmm. right, you price it when you're pricing. Um, you'll put the ten thousand dollar one above it. Mm-hmm. You put the two thousand dollar one in the middle, mm-hmm. and a four hundred dollar one underneath. And and so the, the the brain will go, oh, hang on. So the, suddenly the two thousand dollar one compared to the ten thousand one one starts to look 
really good value, mm. right? Mm. And but it starts to look quite luxurious against the four hundred dollar one. Mm. Okay, so advertisers use this all the time, and you'll often see it used in in menus where they might have the you know the filet mignon, <laughs> you know, or, or the wagyu beef, which might be you know the the the, the one hundred and twenty dollar meal, and then underneath underneath that you might have the the forty dollar meal, and then there might be the bowl of fries. It's like five bucks. So that, you know, <laughs> people always pick the middle one. Yes. Okay, that's certainly useful if you're doing weddings or portrait sessions or those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, and probably a little bit different if you're doing editorial because you often don't have that. Don't have the opportunity yeah. to do that, you know. Largely editorial rates are, are set, you know, by the magazine even in, in yep. a lot of situations. Yep, 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 yep. Great. All right. So that's a lot of really useful advice. I think that the um, the, the languaging thing is really interesting. I think that when people are, you know, just dipping their toe in the water, very much that whole choose an amount, just test it out, different amounts mm. to, to know whether you're happy with the amount, to know whether you're going to resent the amount. And importantly, and I think that this is something that I coach many, many, many creatives to do because they don't do it is they they quote thinking that there's some kind of benchmark pricing but in fact ask the questions make sure when you get an inquiry you you as you say don't answer straight away on the phone Mm. ask questions not only does the client feel heard the prospective client you get to find out a whole lot more about the you're getting a brief essentially and you are quoting without a level of uncertainty because you're finding them out as much as possible. I think that's one of the key steps that people actually forget to do when they're starting out because they feel that they need some kind of benchmark pricing and that really doesn't work, um, you know, in that situation. So, um, that's all really great advice, Gina. I really and I particularly love the, the, the languishing, languishing stuff because I had never thought of it that way myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It all helps. So, yeah, basically, uh, and I, I, I really think the importance of like you know f- finding some mentors as well when okay. you, you know that really, really helps in in the industry and in, and to, to to get your pricing right and just to feel more comfortable to have that sounding board yes. as well is a, a really big help and it actually really fast tracks. Uh, your development as a photographer in in that pricing because it's someone there holding your hand so you don't feel like you're sort of out there because they've already done all that work for you. Yeah. So which leads us to, uh, because this is a slightly unusual topic and usually our hashtag Gina challenge has been related to the topic. Mm. So I'm just thinking, what shall we have for our hashtag Gina challenge this this week? You know, while you're thinking of that answer, Gina, uh, for, (laughs) for, for listeners who have only joined us recently, we have a weekly challenge, hashtag Gina challenge, and we have a theme each week. And this is largely so that we can all, uh, you know, take shots around the same theme, but also just gets us into the habit of taking shots and sharing it with other people because then all of us in the community can um, share it either on Instagram, make sure you do hashtag Gina challenge, or on Google Plus, go to the Google Plus page for So You Want to Be a Photographer. So what do you think, Gina, should yeah. our theme be this week? For I reckon it should be luxury. Okay. Mm. I like that. Yeah, and so that could be, you know, luxury to me could be like, you know, beautiful sheets. That to me is luxury. It yes. could be the colour of, uh, you know, a wall looks luxurious, uh, you know, an abundance of fruit in a bowl 
is luxurious. So I love or that. Or it could be a beautiful sports car, whatever you uh, interpret that word to be, you know, go for it. Yeah, I love that. Okay, wonderful. Um, I, 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 you know, I'm really into taking luxurious shots of my cats. Oh, well, yeah. Well, you, you'll put some Rexy <laughs> in, of course. And I can't remember if I filled everyone in. Um, regular listeners might know that I attempted to enter this competition where I had to take a photograph of my pet along with a particular brand of shoe because I wanted to win some <laughs> shoes. And uh, they um, shortlisted it to the final 10. Did I tell you? Um, I'm not sure if I mentioned this get, in the did podcast. Did you win? No, I Are didn't. you shortlisted? I did not win and I was very um, disappointed at that. So not only did I not win, this is the, um, I think there's a conspiracy theory here. Um, not only did I not win, I, I didn't get shortlisted. Now, it got oh, shortlisted. But, nah. to, but listen to this because I took a photo of my cat, Rex, um, and, and uh, out of the 10 mm. shortlisted, there were nine dogs and one snake. That's uh, racist. Racism. 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 <laughs> It's <laughs> terrible. Is there, a, is there a, a body that we can appeal to, or something, or do we need to have like a, a like a march on the street, or yeah, something? Yeah, I know. Or, you know, Rex what can was, we do? Yeah, Rex is not happy. It's but anyway, because of course it's not my photography. It must be because of this discrimination. Nothing to do with your photography, Val. I'm sure you would have been in the top five easily. But there's discrimination against cats, clearly. Oh. Unless, like, I read it wrong and it was just going to meant to be, you know, for dogs. But no, not really because there's nine dogs and one snake. I mean, really. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> on that note, uh, thank you to everybody who's listening. Please do keep your comments um, and questions coming in. Uh, we'd love to answer them. Uh, email them to news at com. Also, please do make sure you check out Gina's awesome newsletter. Uh, sign up at com. Remember, this week's hashtag Gina challenge is luxury. Can't mm-hmm. wait to see those. Where do we find you on social media, Gina? I'm at Gina Militia on Instagram, at Gina Militia on Twitter, Gina Militia Photography on Facebook, where we have a Google Plus page. So you want to be a photographer. That's going really well. Lots of discussions in there. Great group of people. Yeah, Come fantastic. and join us and join the discussion. Yeah. Um, what else am I on? Basically, <laughs> on you're Gina Militia everywhere. <laughs> on everything. Okay. I'm at Valerie Koo. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We can't wait to chat to you next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com.